Welcome to the Path for Utah. I'm Jamie your Brenda, your host today, and we have a great program ahead. Um, I love it when I have good news, and sometimes, you know, you go through every day and you think, man, it's just a, it's a little rough out there in the world ahead of us. And uh, But I'm going to start out with a, uh, a song that was uh, become the number one country hit song and uh, has sold more hit uh, singles. This came out, I'm trying to think... Um, I think it was about a month ago. Am I the only one? And so I'll read the lyrics to this song. Then in this, the person that, that uh, produced the producer of this song or the record record label, if I can get my terminology right on how the music industry works has been being given hell for producing the song. And, uh, a lot of hate. And so first I'm going to read the lyrics to the song and then I'm going to get to, um, uh, the fact that people are standing their grounds. And this is someone uh, that not necessarily is on the conservative side, the, the producer or the record label person, but uh, standing his, his ground on not, not being pushed to cancel this artist. So the song goes, am I the only one here tonight? Shaking my head and thinking something just ain't right. Is it just me or am I losing my mind? Am I standing on the edge at the end of time? And I think that's something we can all connect with because the media would have us convinced that we're the only one. And so I think that's why this song really resonated with so many of us out there. So it goes on. Am I the only one? Tell me I'm not. Who thinks that we're all that we're taking all the good, the good that we've got and turning it bad. Hell I'll be damned, I think. I'm turning into my old man. Am I the only one willing to bleed or take a bullet to be being free? Screaming what the F at my TV for telling me, yeah, you're the only one. Telling me that I'm the only one that I'll be fighting for my love of the red, white, and for the red and white and the blue burning on the ground. Another statue coming down in a town near you. And so I think we often, as we're sitting there watching the nightly news, seeing the things that are happening, people burning our American flags, people that are riding in these communities throughout the United States this past year and burning these buildings and knocking the statues down. And uh, and we're thinking, are we, you know, is it just us? Is it just us and our friends that think, you know, are we the isolated ones? Because the news media can make us feel that way. And then it goes on, watching the threads of old glory come undone. I'm not the only one. I can't be the only one. I'm not the only one who quits singing. And this truly got me because we, we did this parade with uh, uh, the Trump Tater. And I was looking for different songs and uh, for the to do in the parade. And I did uh Born in the USA with uh, uh, Springsteen. My husband's like, what the hell, Jamie? Why are you playing that one? Other than it's a good tune. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so when I read this, I thought, man, I guess I will never do that one again. He said, am I the only one who quits singing along every time they play a Bruce Springs, uh, a Springsteen song? So anyway, that kind of called me out there. I guess I won't be doing that, but especially not with my Trump Tater character. Uh, am I the only one sitting here still holding on, holding back my tears for the ones who paid with their lives they gave? God bless the USA. Um, so this has become um, 
one of the number one uh, country uh, hit songs. Uh, let me go back to. So the the record label is Big Machine Label Group, uh, and Scott uh, Borchetta. Uh, I'm not familiar with all the music industry, but he's the president and CEO. And uh, he basically came out and uh, and fought against all the hate that this number one uh, single has gotten. And then the artist is Aaron Aaron Lewis and uh, is defending Aaron Lewis's free speech and his music. And and even though. um Scott is not necessarily a conservative. He is coming out against the people who are trying to intimidate him and canceling out uh, this musician. And so we're starting to see some fight back and of people canceling artists and canceling people for their thought process. So that gives me some hope, you know, that, uh, that people are tired of the cancel culture. And you're seeing that among even late night comedy that uh, people are fighting back. Um, So anyway, um, that was just the, you know, one of the ones, another one that I've really been impressed with is uh, JK Rawlings. And uh, so this has been going on for some time and I don't think I've ever mentioned it on on the on the my podcast but so i remember when um the harry potter books first came out we were living in south carolina and there was a lot a lot a lot of hate and a lot i mean south carolina is the bible belt and uh, there's a lot of people that were really upset that this this witchcraft book was coming out and, and uh Anyway, I'm not a big fiction reader, and I had young kids at the time, so it wasn't, you know, that impactful to me. But I just remember at that time um, how much discussion was going on in the community in South Carolina of these books coming out, and and especially among some in the religious community. And, you know, obviously it died down and became a very popular series. But at the time, there was a lot of controversy on these J.K. Rowling's books. And so she became a darling of the left, uh, especially as her books progressed on and some of the characters uh, you know, came out that they were gay characters. And, and as the movies came out, uh, J.K. Rawlings was, could do no wrong uh, from people on the left. And uh, my kids all grew up. My husband was a big reader, and uh, he would take all my children out to on the night that the books came out, and they would go to the, um, you know, the midnight openings, you know, when the books would come out to the parties to to get whatever new book was out. And then they'd stay up reading them all night long and and uh, have the Harry Potter book night. And they would all dress up in the different um, different outfits. Um, and uh, or at least my daughters did this, and especially my daughter, Emily, uh, was a big, big, big fan of Harry Potter. And and then one night, um they went to a place here in Ogden, Utah. Uh, it was at Rainbow Gardens and in the Rainbow Bookstore. And this was probably the, it was towards the end of the series, but uh, my husband took them out to this event. And it was, I think it was, maybe they went to one more event after this, but this one, they came home really disappointed because this event truly was kind of disturbing it was more of an all adult event and 
it was truly about witchcraft and uh, uh, the owner of the bookstore, uh, they do sell uh, different. Uh, and this is when oh, I'm trying to think of the, uh, the Wiccans became started really becoming um, more known to um, or at least more popular um I wasn't aware of the Wiccans group, but a, a more known religion or more known uh, group. And uh, so they went out to this Harry Potter book night at this bookstore, and it was truly a a Wiccans night. And they were talking about wands and bonding with your wand, and it was not a fiction night. It was truly a a witchcraft type experience. And so it was kind of a disappointment uh, of a, a joyous occasion that uh, my kids had had on going out to these Harry Potter events. And um, so, and, and that that's probably a topic for another day because witchcraft has definitely exploded in the United States in recent years, but on to JK Rawlings and the Harry Potter series. Um, she obviously made millions and millions of dollars off of her uh, incredible works that depict these young kids going out there and slaying the dragon and fighting the, the good fight. And, um, and so again, the left just couldn't get enough of JK Rowling and she could do no wrong until, until she came out and fought against, um, the transgender movement when she felt the transgender movement went too far and she stood up for women and all of a sudden she became the target and she has become such a target of hate uh, towards the left that uh, she has had her life threatened and the woman continues to stand up and fight. And uh, so I have to give her, um, give her my, you know, my, um, appreciation for having the courage to do that, which so many uh, politicians have not had the courage to do because she is truly standing up to fight for women's rights. Um, uh, both in biological men using female facilities and in biological men competing in, uh, in female sports and preserving, uh, women's rights, so uh, just one after another, uh, she gets attacked. So there's, there's a comment. It says, um, somebody tweeted out uh, is it against J.K. Rawlings. Is this because of her comments about the safety of women in toilets, changing rooms if men can, cause, can use them by simply saying they identify as a woman? And then J.K. Rollins tweeted back to this, yes, but now that hundreds of trans activists have threatened to beat, rape, and assassinate and bomb me, I realize that this movement poses no risk to women whatsoever. Um, so another one, she J.K. Rollins had put out a, 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 a kind of a message asking for uh, it was a, a, a contest for children's art. And instead of um, children's art coming in, all these transgender activists were submitting uh, pornography. And uh, so J.K. Rawlings uh, put out, she goes, I'm not sure how these tactics, using porn as a weapon against women you dislike, not caring that children could get caught in the crossfire, and then misrepresenting what really happened are supposed to help trans people. 
nor do I see what you've done here helps correct the impression that the end game for you and your ilk is to intimidate women out of speaking up for their own rights, no matter how low you have to go to do it. Um, so again, she is coming out fighting. She's standing her ground and not backing down. And then the latest, uh, someone threatened her uh, with a pipe bomb. And so she comes out and she responds, to be fair, when you can't get a woman sacked, arrested, or dropped by her publisher, and canceling her is her only... It, Canceling her only made her book sales go up. There's really only one place to go. And then she puts out the tweet that somebody put out is, I wish you a very nice pop pipe bomb in your mailbox. Um, so anyway, uh, she is definitely standing up against all the hate of this radical left. And again, uh, a lot of people don't understand the Antifa movement. The Antifa movement is definitely made up of, well, definitely the radical left, but it's made up of a lot of this radical transgender movement, uh, a lot of um, a radical uh, uh, gay movement too, um, predominantly uh, uh, female, um, well, I don't know, but it, but it's definitely involved in uh, in the transgender movement and and they do, they're very radicalized and there's a lot of hate out there and they put this, uh, so there is a lot of intertwining in this anarchist um, Antifa movement. And so you see this hate going out here against J.K. Rawlings on the um, transgender issues, but just know these groups are all intertwined and this hate and this, uh, these tactics of trying to take down people who want to stand up um, and voice their uh, concerns for these shifting uh, directions in which our country, not just our country, but the world is going. And, and anybody who gets in the way of the of these shifts uh, are getting taken down. And so this woman is extremely brave. And I'm just going to, you know, give a shout out to J.K. Rowling for being brave and standing up against the radical left in the radical transgender movement that has taken place in, in the world around us. So uh, two, two people here that uh, are definitely, and it's not just two, you're starting to see it um, again in multiple different areas of people who have just had enough and saying uh, no more, we're, we're not going to continue uh, and people are pushing back. Uh, another story I'm going to kind of shift a little bit on uh, is a story that took place. Let me see if I can. It took place. I'm trying to find the city that it took place in just a second here. Um, it's in the south, and it's not letting me click on the link. I don't know why, but it was in a, a Georgia um, it was a Democrat that uh, was a state elected Democratic official, and he's in a grocery store and he got into an argument with a black woman. And he in this argument, he threatens to shoot her and he calls her the N word. Now, this is all on video. It was at a food mart and he was arrested. And um, anyway, there's nothing Nothing on the mainstream media on this at all. Could you imagine if it was a Republican who was in a grocery store 
and and gotten into an elected official that got into a fight with a black woman and threatened to kill her and called her an N-word. And it was recorded in a video and it was on video and it didn't make national news. So it's just absolutely amazing the things <laughs> on what type of uh I'm, I'm trying to think. I, I hate using the word conspiracy. There's just got to be something uh, in the network, this understanding that they have. There's got to be some underlying um, communication that they have on what stories they will cover and what stories that they won't. Because, I mean, this is this should have been major news because I promise you, if it was Republican, it would have been all over social media and all over uh, the main, mainstream network news. Um, so anyway, uh, just know it was out there. It was in the state of Georgia, elected Democrat who's now sitting in jail waiting for, um, I guess, trial on this uh, on this threatening of this woman in a local grocery store. So before we go to break, I'm going to uh, go to a, what just a fun story. Uh, we have all heard of this story, I guess, uh, fable is what it, I guess it's really called about the tortoise and the hare. So someone decided to, to do a real live tortoise and hare race. And so they lined up two lanes, one with the tortoise and one with the hare to see which one would win? I saw this on social media the other day, and I thought this is hilarious because they have the, the rabbit in one lane and the tortoise in the other, and the tortoise really wins. The rabbit gets sidetracked, goes back and forth, and the tortoise stays slow and steady down the lane, and, uh, and he ends up winning. And so anyway, I'm just going to apply this to us in our lives that, uh, that we need to be slow and steady pointing in a, in the direction and knowing which direction we need to be going in, not getting sidetracked and uh, not thinking we have to go at this, you know, this fast pace, but uh, that we need to just be very consistent and make sure we're headed in the right direction and, uh, and just keep our pace slow and steady. I think sometimes we often feel that there's this in, in, the world around us would have us believe and often feel that there's this sense of urgency and there is, but uh, we get caught up in that. And sometimes um, I don't think, I, I think it distracts us and we don't keep at the pace that we can sustain and we get distracted. So anyway, I just thought that that fable probably has a lot more merit to it than we, that we give it credit to. Cause as I was watching this real live, you know, uh, tortoise and uh, and rabbit racing uh, that somebody put out on social media. So if you haven't seen this, Google it. It'll pull up or uh, the tortoise and the hare uh, race. Um, I think it, it. I think it, there's a lot of life lessons in there, especially for us right now, that we do have to make sure that we're headed in the right direction, that we're not getting sidetracked, that we're not running back and forth, and that we're keeping that steady the steady pace and, uh, and head in the right direction so that we make sure that we cross that finish line at the end of the day and that, and, uh, that we're not running faster than we have the capacity to run. And, uh, and that we're just being wise with the energy that we use. So anyway, that was just a little, uh, 
I don't know, fun, fun tell or whatever, but I thought it was kind of fun to notice that that actually did happen that, you know, you think, well, would that really happen in real life? And I think there's a lot to be said that, you know, my mother-in-law, uh, as I watched her throughout my, uh, my married life, she passed away about five years ago. She always worked at this really slow pace, but she did incredible things. And so she always reminded me of that tortoise, but she just, you know, she just like stayed slow and steady, but she always got, uh, uh, wonderful things done and accomplished, you know, great things. So anyway, there's something to be said about just having a, a steady, a steady pace and keeping our eyes focused in the direction that we want to head in, uh, especially in a world in which uh, we have so much chaos going on. Okay, so um, I guess I have just a couple more minutes before we have to take a break. So another story that another woke story that's going out there, and I've never, you know, been a a uh, Victoria's Secret kind of shopper, but. Uh, I find this interesting, the direction that Victoria's Secret's heading, and I'm kind of curious to see if it uh, if it's going to be successfully financially or not <coughs> for them. So I guess time will tell. But uh, they're definitely taking a different approach to their marketing. And uh, so I don't know. You know, their little uh, advertisements of the past, they're taking this new approach of getting rid of uh, I guess what they used to call their their angels, or and going into a more realistic uh, approach of women. So I don't know if that's necessarily bad. I'm just gonna. I don't necessarily like the people. I shouldn't say like the people. Uh, some of the people that they're putting up there, they're putting a lot of woke spokespeople up there. Um, I don't have an issue representing. A lot of different women's body types. I think that's good. Um, but uh, going with this woke pol- political aspect of it, I think is, you know, I kind of question that. So the, they're not only shifting, you know, politically, but they're also shifting, you know, body shapes. So they're making two shifts. So it's going to be hard to see the metrics on which shift is going to damage them the most or if they're going to be damaged at all. So I guess only time will tell, but they're not only shifting in their marketing to, you know, body style and design, but they're shifting to marketing to based on political leanings and a woke audience. So that's going to be a a, a marketing strategy that I'm going to be interested in seeing how that plays out because that is, you know, unlike Coke, you know, where Coke's kind of shifting to, um, to the left, and you know they're, they backtracked on that, but they're kind of shifting to that woke audience. They're not uh, actually shifting their their product itself, but this is actually shifting their whole marketing strategy. So that's going to be interesting to see. So anyway, when we get back on the path forward, Utah, we'll go on with some other interesting stories of the day. But just know that there's hope out there. there there's people like J.K. Rawlings that are standing her ground, and uh, she is definitely the goat right now when it comes to um, having the courage to stand up for that which is right and protecting uh, female sports and protecting uh, just the rights that uh, females have gained over these past years. So anyway, kudos to J.K. Rollins. 
Welcome back to the Path Forward Utah. I'm Jamie Arenda, your host. And just a reminder, as we move forward in Utah, we move forward in our nation. So every state, if you we're, the message to the Path Forward Utah is we, we have to bring all things back local. And uh, and so we bring things back basically uh, to the most local place that we can bring it, and that's to the individual. So we first take responsibility for ourselves and what we can do to be the best person we can be and try to do the most good that we can do. And uh, as we do that, then we try to take responsibility to our communities and we find that we find our niche, what area in our community can we contribute to? And everybody needs to find their own niche, but we all need to help in some area of our government. We have to take individual responsibility um, in our, that we, we live in a free country and uh, in the best disinfected uh, to corruption is accountability and sunshine and so as we have um, sunshine, what I mean that is that as people know that eyes are upon them, that the public is watching them, that politicians tend to be more honest. When they think that they can do things in the dark and that no one is watching, that's where corruption can occur. And, and I, they've done studies on this, uh, that a very honest person uh, that typically wouldn't do anything dishonest and uh, but is they are in a situation and they they think nobody can see them or nobody will know and they get in a compromised position that they can be more likely to do something dishonest. Um, so the best way we can make sure that we keep our politicians honest is to make sure they know we're watching, that we're involved, that people are involved. So that means all of us need to take our responsibility as citizens of the greatest nation in the world, in the history of the world, serious. We need to find an area in which we're going to be a participant in our government, whether that's our city government, our county government, our local school boards, our state school boards, our um, our state uh, legislatures, uh, keep an eye on the governor's office, keep an, an eye on our um, people over our elections, um, whatever it is, your niche. I think if everybody uh, tries to find their own niche, um, we'll have eyes on every aspect of the government, uh, eyes on our unelected officials, eyes on the CIA, eyes on the FBI, uh, eyes on our elected House members, eyes on our elected senators, eyes on our elected uh, judges. I think this is one that oftentimes gets overlooked, eyes on our judges. You know, I don't know how many people go to the polls, myself included, and we've researched, you know, who should be on the school board, who should be um, elected our House members, who should be elected to Congress, uh, who we want for um uh, our governor, who we want for president, but seldom is there any discussion on who we want to retain as our judges. And so this is one that we really need to start having some more discussion on because uh, there's where so much corruption is, is in our judges and our judicial system. So again, on all aspects of government, we need a lot more accountability, a lot more eyes on our government. So again, right now, 
anybody out there listening, find a specific niche that you're going to be uh, accountable to. You know, just again, as I mentioned in before we had the break, uh, be the tortoise, uh, slow and steady. Find find this little area. Uh, stay off Facebook a couple hours a week or don't watch your favorite Netflix uh, episode one night a week. Take that time to do your research on that particular area of your soon to be found expertise on this area of our government and get involved. All of us do have time. I know uh, we all feel that we're busy, but uh, if you do it slow and steady, find your niche that you're going to be involved in, uh, get it, be an expert at that niche, and, uh, and just hold that area of government accountable. And then uh, as we go about and we have eyes on different areas of the government, we find out which ones we don't have eyes on. And then we go out and recruit people to get their eyes on those areas of the government. But uh, just a shout out uh, on the judges, that is definitely one we need more attention on. We need more attention on uh, the judges, on uh, what judges we should attain and what retain and which ones we shouldn't. Now, I want to be careful on this. I think just the fact that people are watching will make elected officials much more accountable. There's going to be nobody who wants to run for government if we're out there being obnoxious to people. Uh, We have to be supportive to elected officials. We have to go out there and play our part and actually want to be a contributing member of society. Let's not go out there and uh, just be obnoxious and be the pain in the uh, back end to every elected official. We want to hold them accountable. And there's some people we definitely need to put their feet to the fire. And it's probably going to, you know, for the next five, 10 years, maybe it's going to be rough and we're going to have to get some people out of office. But we also need to be willing to say, what is it I can do? In addition to holding people accountable, you know, what is it I can contribute to make my city a little bit better, make my county a little bit better, um, and uh, be willing to do our part and, you know, to help get the positive information out there, too. Let's not just go in and be critics and eyes. Let's go out there and try to be positive on how we can move things forward in a positive light. And um, so it's not going to be easy, easy at first because there's definitely a lot of corruption at all levels of government. We've we've let it go too long with not the right accountability. You know, these elected officials used to be called public servants. And there was a reason for that. They used to not get paid as much. And uh, some of these uh, things were part time, um, part time offices that people did on top of the additional job and uh, with very little pay for their their work. Well, that has all shifted now. Uh, Like a county commissioner here in Ogden, Utah, makes about $180,000 a year. It's kind of much above that of a uh, the equivalent in, in the private sector. Uh, same with your city employees, uh, your county employees, uh, your state employees. I mean, all of it is, for the most part, above that of the private sector, both in, in the amount in which they're being paid, uh, benefits being given, days off, vacation pay, retirement pay. And oftentimes, these same government employees end up double dipping in retirement. They go from a state employee to a county employer, vice versa, end up with two different uh, retirement plans. Um, For the most part, and I'm not being hypercritical, uh, but we have set up a system in which 
uh, people have learned to game our system of government uh, employee status, and it's no longer a civil servant. Uh, it is a um, it is a job or career status that must be quote protected in these unions. Uh, their standard living and their their benefit programs oftentimes are much higher than that of the private sector, and uh, and you know it represents oftentimes one of the largest employers uh, in the states or in the counties or in the cities. And uh, so there, there's got to be accountability, and it's it's going to be tough. And so, you know, that fine balance between the accountability and the respectability uh, has got to be there. So anyway, that's where we start. We start at the most local basis, and that's that's us as individuals being the best people. And so if we're the best people and going into it with the best heart we can, then we're not going to go into it being obnoxious. We're going to go into it trying to really find solutions, uh, trying to articulate our message in the most positive way we can. At the same time, making sure that we have some sunshine on what our elected offices or uh, officials are doing and uh and that they're representing us in the best way that they can, and that they're spending our tax dollars in the best way that they can. So anyway, um, that's what the Path Forward Utah is about, is taking it back to the most local level we can. It starts with us. It starts with our local communities, our state governments, and then it moves on as we do that. Then that's the path forward for our country, Uh, being able to uh, keep America and save America as the greatest nation that the world has ever known. But uh, it starts with the individual. And so we just all got to be accountable to who we are and being the best version of who we can be and trying to find our purpose um, in life and what what we can contribute outside of, I mean, obviously, you know, our professions, um, trying to find a profession, obviously, that we can, uh, that will contribute great things for society. And if it's not necessarily a profession, uh, we have a profession that we're doing that allows for a good income that will allow us to do things outside of our profession. But um, we've got to find that area that we can contribute and make the world a little bit better. So anyway, I'm going to go on to a couple of things that are taking place in the world around us and, and uh, some have to do with church and, uh, one, I mean, in Canada, if you haven't kept up with what's going on in Canada, uh, first, uh, the freedom of religion in Canada. Well, one, there's not such a thing as freedom of religion in Canada. It's one of those uh, constitutional things that we take for granted in America. And uh, we definitely discovered that during the coronavirus course, you know, we kind of had our own challenge on uh, freedom of religion here, being able to practice and worship during coronavirus um, under some of the restrictions that came out, but our Supreme Court justice did come come out in favor of freedom of religion. But in Canada, they don't have that same constitutional privilege. And so we saw ministers that were being hauled off to jail for having uh, services uh, during uh, the lockdowns in Canada. But now it's going one step even further, and uh, churches all over Canada are being uh, vandalized and set on fire. So there's a there is an active uh, contempt for religious affiliations that are being displayed 
throughout really throughout the world, but uh, Canada is really filling that. And uh, another uh, story that I kind of found interesting on the religious front is the Catholic Church and kind of the shift in um, in this Pope that currently is over the Catholic Church and that they tends to be a little bit well obviously it's definitely he's definitely left leaning but uh very critical of the more conservative um cardinals and um in the church so let me just find this one area here um i mean the pope has really been pushing for uh, green economics, green spirituality, green education, uh, you know, definitely all for the uh, woke or, you know, global warming initiatives. And part of been trying to understand as to the why, but I think that has to do partly with wealth redistribution. And uh, so... And then he's definitely kind of, you know, there's been a few times he's kind of come back on some social issues on abortion that has, you know, he's came back a little bit more conservative on that. But you definitely see this conflict that's taken place in the uh, Catholic Church. Uh, I think we have felt it some even in the LDS Church. Uh, there's just a lot of shifting of um, that's going on in, in religious communities right now. And this coronavirus, you definitely have felt uh, with the lockdowns and how different churches have uh, responded to the government overreach on that. Um, I, I, I'm just going to be kind of, you know, sitting back watching how that's going to impact uh, different congregations and different religious affiliations on how the leadership responded to some of these uh, government overreaches um, for the uh, coronavirus lockdowns and also the lack of attending church for so long on how if that's going to be a you know a benefit in the sense that people are going to be anxious to go back or if in the long term it's going to end up um, doing what I felt like it maybe it was intended to do and that is to take people further away from their religious connections. So anyway, I, I feel like there's definitely a fight uh, on religion right now, both physically, as you see these churches burning down and the um, attack on on people of faith um, from the left and also the shifting of different things throughout major religions and uh, the fact that one of the things that we saw during this coronavirus lockdowns are people that were not allowed to actually attend uh, weekly services and, uh, and were actually punished for trying to do so. And preachers that were punished for trying to hold weekly, weekly congregations. Um, I don't know what type of long-term impacts it's going to have uh, and congregations that are definitely divided on the actions that their church took. Uh, there's a lot, a lot of things that are going to come out. Uh, I look at in, in the restaurant industry, and not to compare these two, but there there are some comparisons um, at the supply chain impact we're having right now in the restaurant industry. U.S. Foods lost uh, most of their drivers, so um, 
restaurants like mine in order to get our supplies from U.S. Foods, we're having to go pick up and and do our own will calls for all of our foods with U.S. Foods. Well, Cisco, uh, another one of my providers, uh, recently uh, informed me that they're also having a real shortage on drivers. So I only get one delivery a week from them. And that's one, you know, uh, aspect of what's going on in the food industry. The other is just the actual supply chains of uh, what foods are available, uh, the increased cost of, of different supplies that are going on due to the coronavirus, um, the way the government arbitrarily su- shut down some industries and and the impact it's going to have as we see uh, the economy's opening back up, and now we look it looks like they may be shutting back down but but anyway, these uh, systems that are in place and then they get kind of this spoke in the wheel and they get shut down um, it takes a while for things to get up and go again and the way it was shut down i don 't know if it 's ever going to be totally up and function again uh, like it was I mean restaurants are having a very hard time hiring uh staff um, to, to come in and work. So th- there's different things that are impacting and that's just my world. So I'm connecting it to my world. And so I'll look at churches similar to that going, this was a big shutdown for churches and a lot of things took place. And uh, I, I just have to believe that, you know, things aren't going to resume as normal. <laughs> and so it's going to be interesting to see uh, if it's going to, you know, end up, causing more of a spiritual revival or if it's going to impact people in a different direction there, or if it's going to divide these church communities, um, in ways that, uh, that we didn't foresee happening there. So in anyway, that's just, you know, as I, I watched and saw another church in Canada burned down, uh, over the weekend, um, just kind of broke my heart. And I thought, you know, what, where are we going on a religious community? Because regardless of what faith people are, I believe that these religious communities are important. It's something that brings people together into a common belief system that gives people connection and we're losing these connections. And, um, at a time where people need connections more than ever. And yet these connections are being lost. And so anyway, um, I started with good news and ended with bad news, but I think for the most part, people are getting brave and strong and they're starting to stand up for the things that they believe in. And uh, so I want to kind of end on that note that we do have to be brave and strong, uh, even on the spiritual note, um, as we're digging a little deeper on what it is we believe in. Uh, and reevaluating maybe our own spirituality. Um, and as you might question, you know, what it is you believe in, you don't have to, you never have to throw out everything you believe in just because you challenge some of the things you believe in and you can have that community connection. And I definitely believe that there's going to be problems as we move forward in our, in our churches where we're going to have disputes with people who, um, are going to believe differently along the lines. If I, as I'm going move, moving forward in some of the battles I'm taking on politically, uh, there's so many different lines that I have to before that weren't there in bringing people together to battle these that make it so much harder because now I have the people that are on the same side of some issues, but some of them are 
believers in the vaccine. Others are anti-vaxxers. Some of them are pro, you know, believe in the mask. Others are anti-mask. I mean, um, some of them are, I mean, so the, the lines that divide people, even within the same movement, um, there's different divisions uh, within those movements that have been created because of this. And so it's kind of, it's hard maneuvering on how to get to a common goal because there's more things that divide us. And uh, so I, I see that taking places in churches as well. So we have to be careful as we move forward. I'm all about freedom. And, uh, and so as I have my uh, friends on both sides of, you know, the vaccine fight or both sides of the mask fight or both sides of, you know, the different things out there. I'm like, you know, let's, let's just uh, support freedom, uh, freedom to make our individual choices as we move forward. We see the, the new outbreak of coronavirus and uh, which, you know, we should all be concerned on and try to do our part. I certainly don't want to see lockdowns again. I don't want to see, our freedoms being taken away. But one thing that does not get discussed on a national basis is that we're allowing people by now, by the millions since in the last few months, cross our borders into our nation, being transported by our government into cities all over America who have not been vaccinated, who have not been tested for coronavirus. And, uh, and there's no discussion about if that's been an impact on the spread of coronavirus. And um, so I, I would hope that we would have that discussion more on how much the impact of this illegal immigration and this allowing uh, people to flow across our borders has been an impact in Florida and Texas and these other border cities, but not just in the border cities, um, but the fact that our government is flying uh, these people that have crossed our borders illegally all over the nation without being vaccinated, without being quarantined, um, how much that has impacted to the increase of the spread of coronavirus. And there seems to be no public discussion on that. And if you bring it up, then somehow you're a racist um, for bringing that up. But that should be a point of our discussion that we're having right now is that we need to, as President Trump did, is put a stop to this illegal immigration, um, especially at a time in which we're having an increased uh, coronavirus outbreak. So anyway, make sure you join us tomorrow with Dr. Marcy on the Path Forward Utah to talk about the importance of mental health, self-awareness, and uh, just good mental health coping strategies to make it through these times that we're living in. And uh, she's always got some good topic uh, on her agenda and uh, then on Thursday, we have Hot Nacho that will be on our program. And then Friday, we have Bob McEntee. And Bob always had some interesting tidbits to share on things that we should be paying attention to that sometimes that we have no clue that should even be on our radar. So make sure you pay attention to Bob McEntee every Friday uh, to know what's going on in the state of Utah and things that we should be paying attention to. Uh, make sure if you're coming through Ogden, Utah, that you stop by Brixton's Baked Potato on 24th and Kiesel for one of the best baked potatoes you'll ever have. And uh, I haven't done much with my Trump Tater character lately, but we still have our website up and going on TrumpTater.com. So if you ever want some Trump Tater uh, products, my husband wears his Trump Tater socks every day. 
And uh, so we have some cute products on trumptater.com if you want to get on there and uh, get you a fun gift for a loved one just uh, to have a little fun in life. We also have some incredible barbecue and uh, rubs on trumptater.com. And make sure again, tune in tomorrow with Dr. Marcy for a good mental health. Um, and spread the word to your friends. Uh, Path Forward Utah on fedbyravensmedia.com.